season five of The Score, the Team Roping Journal's podcast, where we cover the roping industry from top to bottom. This is where the team roping world talks. We talk through tough subjects, we talk big wins, and we talk real issues affecting the community. I'm your host and editor of the Team Roping Journal, Chelsea Schaefer. Hey everybody, this is Chelsea Schaefer. Welcome to The Score. Today's episode is with Colby Lovell. He's the 2020 world champion header and he has stepped back a little bit from pro rodeo this year and he's going to tell you a lot more about why. You might have seen him at some of the winter rodeos. He did help his old world champion partner Paul Eves out as Paul was coming back from injury. Um, But now Colby has been horse showing and that is how we have him on the podcast today because he he did just win the American Rope Horse Futurity Association's Red Bud Spectacular. He won the healing there on Jammin' on the Lake, which is a yellow colt by Laker Dock out of the damn reggae music. And so I, of course, wanted to talk to Colby about his big healing win uh, because I knew it was going to mean a lot to him. Colby has, A, always loved healing, and B, always loved good horses. And in this podcast, you're going to find out a little bit about some of the great horses that you might not have even known came from Colby. And you're going to learn a lot about his theory of his roping and his horse program because Colby's kind of, I know if if Derek Begay is the one that has the reputation for being outside chasing wild cattle all the time, Colby's got the reputation for going uh, hunting hunting wild hogs with his giant pack of dogs that he absolutely prides himself in. So you're going to get to learn a little bit what Colby has been up to uh, as he's been not in the pro rodeo arena very much this year and what his plans are for the rest of the summer and then for the future of his horse program. So I'm so grateful Colby made time to talk to us. And you're also going to notice that this episode is coming in two parts. So we've got part one, launching today and then part two is going to launch on saturday and that is june 11th so if you're listening as these episodes come out which i know not everybody does um listen to part one first which is this episode and then check out part two with colby and that is going to launch like i said saturday so if you're listening a year from now in the future i think this episode is still going to be interesting but just know to listen to part one first i know i've said that a couple times but i don't want you to be confused if you're streaming part two before you stream part one. All right. Thanks, everybody. Colby, what are you doing? Oh, hang on. I can tell. I'm like, well, that's picking up on the audio because I said I was going to record this for a podcast and I can definitely hear your music. All right. Can you hear me now? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, I come down here. Oh, I got all my cows. And I've got a little old set of braver cows up on front by a hay trap. I can't keep a bull. I got put two bulls in there with them and I can't keep one in there. I keep going through the back. I'm, Going down in the river bottom, little old young bull, I guess, keeps kicking the other one's asses. <laughs> <laughs> fucking pain in the ass, too. I've done 
put two other bulls in there with him, and that's 30-something cow. That's too many for him by himself. <laughs> he doesn't think so. Maybe he wants to try it on. I don't know. <laughs> oh, my word. So, you are... Are you a pro rodeo cowboy at all this year, sir? Or are you? No, I went to Austin. I went to a couple with Paul. Mm-hmm. And or I went just right there, Fort Worth, Houston, Austin. That's it. I haven't cared at all. Are you entered at all over the fourth or anything? No, no, I'm not going. I'm telling you. I, I told Paul after we won the world. You know when I <clears throat> came home for those three years. Mm-hmm. And I built the ring in my house. I built it to what I thought to set myself up to get better as a header and my head horses. And I thought that I had a lot of stuff to work on because I was just going through the motions as far as uh, just making the NFR. And it felt like a run-on sentence. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so when I started back, I told my wife, I said, if everything works right, I, I want to give myself two to three years to try to win the world. It's super fun to go watch him do everything that you're getting to watch him do as far as sports, right? Yeah, um, he's he's kind he's at an age now. He's kind of going. He's grown. He's that's crazy. I mean, but you know, I tell people I'm 35 years old, but I'm coming on 50 because my wife and I started life so young mm-hmm. that we really skipped what what a 20 year old does. You know, I skipped all of that part. You know, trying to support a family. Mm-hmm. So, as far as all of that goes, you know, I, I love being you know, I mean, I, my little girl, hey, she rides and ropes and it's, I mean, everything that she wants to do is, she's a carbon copy of me, which I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing, but she thinks she likes to go and mess with the dogs and ride and have fun. We've, we've put some cow, we've got a little over 150 cows now put together and uh, I've got some fruit mares. I've got that uh, horse that I've been showing, you know, and the saw horse that raise a pep. Yeah, is that the one that Joanne or E.E. E. Ranches owns? No, uh, that's a. No, I own both of them. You did? Yeah. yeah. The, the saw horse. 
is a horse that, you know, I sold that great horse, the great stuff, the metallic payday, to Caleb Driggers, and that was an exceptional horse. I was very proud of that horse. You were? I didn't realize that was the same horse, because you were proud of that sucker when he was, like, a two-year-old. Yeah. yeah. He, was, he was a really good horse, you know, and... Uh, I didn't think I would sell him, but, you know, that's one thing about Caleb Driggers is he's he, in the radio world for me, very, he never, he is a, he's one of the most hustling people I've been around, and I think he sets an example for the younger generation to come up to never settle for something that you think you can just, you see what other people do, and you wish you could do it, he's not one of those guys, he's going to do what it takes to get to be the best, and he's drinking that day in, day out, and, you know, just like today, that was, that was a really good for what I thought was young horse for me, I thought it was an exceptional type of horse and everything we had done on him. I mean, he, we worked for, you know, he ended up buying a couple of head horses and it just worked out for Mac and Steel, but as far as like, like, it worked out for, my, for me and my family and set things up just to go on. That soft horse was up in northern Missouri where Paul and I have a open school and, uh, He's a dual ring by Doc Stylish Elkmare that named Happy Stylish Lena. She's making 200,000, produced 350,000. But she was a mayor in college. She's a big mayor. And Brad Lund, she was a three year old. Mr. Lund told me, he said, when I called home, he said, Colby, that's the best horse I've ever trained. I've ever trained. And I think he changed me when he said that. He's got to work a lot for me. I never just had bad luck. I took him. I think he's probably the best horse I've ever owned. It's crazy. And I had the two shows up going on. The attention that he's got has been overwhelming. And like if Waco is a ground roll, I want to say the first round of the head and the second round of the head. And there was no great horses there today. And Paul and I had luck, luck. Paul missed the third word one. Well, then I turned around to Ela, Ela. And I went out with the first round of Ela. And I went the second round of Ela, Ela. And then I missed the third one, third one. And then we get over there on the edge of the edge of the edge. When the first round of training, he had a tough going back and said, boy, I'm bad luck, luck. It's just the horse of that bad luck, luck. But the little yellow horse I rode, rode a horse that I bought a woman named Grant Gilbert. He works for T.J. Good. I've, I've got, got to relate to you with you and 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 uh, uh, no, I've got to be got really, really close to the last year and a half. And I've been riding around going, and, going, and, and he's, he's probably, probably that, 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 I, I think, think he's, 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 he
horse to prove himself where I feel like I have, okay, this horse is, he's earned the right to be into this hotline, he's earned the right to, for some of that stuff, and I might be wrong with me looking at it like that, but the way I look at it, I like that horse, I love that horse no matter what. And he's going to be a good horse and do great things for my family and I, no matter what, if we just raise six or seven colts out of him. And if the general public wants to breed to him or wants to be around him and have colts out of him, which, Lord's willing, they will, he, uh, then I'll look at that down the road. But right now, I just want him to do it. I want to do the best job I can to put the horse in the right spot. And uh, let him prove to me and everybody that hey, I've, I've got greatness in me, and that I need to be put up on the top level of breeding horses. Where I do think he has that potential. Uh, it's been crazy, really, really. It's unreal. The two shows I've taken him to, how much attention that he has gathered. I mean, every person, it's more than bartender, and people love bartender. When I had fast time, mm-hmm. they want to come up and talk about him or ask about him and, you know, congratulate me on what a nice horse he is. And that means a lot already without him winning anything, you know, with my little girl loping him around while I'm showing and I don't have to worry about anything and there's, 50 horses back there around him mm-hmm. you know that goes a long ways for me you know the little things like that and then put him in the arena and he's you know he heck i rubbed the leg on the third one and he marked a 223 mm-hmm. you know uh, that's he needs a, he just needs better luck as far <laughs> as all of the horse show wheel deal goes you know and where everything else falls it falls into place but I probably should do the incentive deal, but I feel like I'd be jinxing myself putting an unproven horse inside of something that's, if that makes sense at all, it might not. No, it does. I mean, it does. I, the I've only just thing, always been like that, you know, yeah. ever since a kid. I think the only reason I ask is because the incentives are just going to get, it seems like anyway right now, the way they're going, harder and harder to get a spot. You know, you're going to have to pay twice what everybody that bought in the first couple years paid to to get a spot. And I agree. Yep. And I've had a lot of people say that. No. The incentives are, you know, I didn't get him. I, well, I didn't get him to really. I got him for me and my family to mm-hmm. ride rope on, and you know, I thought I got the best horse I could possible to raise some good horses for my daughter and I and my wife to be able to enjoy. And you know, I I've told my wife I do not feel like if I did sell him, I could. I don't think I could replace him the rest of my life. I said, I don't know where I could find a horse with this mind, this size, and he's just as good to head on or heel on. And it doesn't matter what you're doing. I mean, all week, this last week, all I did was work cows on him and move around. And he just, he's just a classy horse that they're, they're, you know, if you go and try to find something like that, that you might be able to run barrels on or heck, raise it or have a bulldog and horse or anything. It's just, majority of the studs are smaller and thin boned and 
and are if they are really big and got a lot of run they don't have any respect for, for being broke to the bridle or it's just hard to find that full combination that you might get a cow horse you might get a cutting horse a barrel horse a roping horse you know and that's been a big goal is trying to find a horse like that and uh driggers that day i never thought i'd have sold payday and it just worked out to a spot where driggers ended up with him and you know i've got a couple fillies that i've raised out of payday that i'm raising and if lord willing nobody ends up with this horse i'm gonna cross them back because i've rode both of them and i know what both of them can do and Mm -hmm. what they both feel like so that's there's no guessing there it's positive direction for me as far as wanting to start and ride something We're going to take a break from this episode to talk to you about Farnham. Bugs really suck. I have tried so many sprays and found that those alone just don't work. Thankfully, I've discovered Farnham's no-fly zone to help rid my barn of those annoying, filthy, disease-carrying flies, ticks, and mosquitoes. With Farnham's three-stage approach of block, repel, and reduce, which means using different products for specific scenarios, you can set yourself up for success. For example, I physically block flies using a super mask, repel flies with my favorite fly spray, and actually reduce the number of flies I'm dealing with by using their feed-through fly control simplify. To learn more and start your own no-fly zone, go to Farnam.com, that's F-A-R-N-A-M.com, and download a free copy of the Horse Owner's Guide to Creating Your Own No-Fly Zone. Again, that's F-A-R-N-A-M.com. Farnam, our partner in fly control. What has been, I feel like, you know, when I talk to Dakota or even Trevor, they talk about like how much learning curve has gone into them getting into the horse showing world. Was Payday the first one you showed at the Futurities or do you have like a, a background in AQHA showing that I don't recall? No, well, you know, <clears throat> I, I grew up, uh, my stepdad had a cutting horses and mm-hmm. i grew up in that discipline in my team in my in the team in my as a teenager and i made it to nationals in the cutting and i i like that but i always loved the rope and just some stuff there and then i ended up getting the paint stud that cory coach wrote at the nfr yeah yeah and uh i i, I got him as a two-year-old and then ended up bobby lewis ended up showing him and I, I got into just a little bit of it, and, you know, I love that horse. I like that horse so much that I he succeeded it so well in that in the horse show world as a and everything. I mean, he won the all-around at the Congress and stuff. I mean, they did great with him. That I, I kind of got into it a little bit there just before the, because of the respect of the horse. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the rodeo world, the horse show world, the horse world in general – has taken such a positive turn into being the best you can be that 
I think anybody that would transfer into anything they're doing right now, no matter if you've done one thing your whole life, if you haven't put it into competition in the in the last two years, three years, it would be a learning curve as far as trying to get better. You know, I mean, the rodeo world, something like there's stuff I ride in the head and like bartender, you know, he wouldn't succeed at the horse show stuff. He's just too, he, he doesn't, he wants to try to outrun the cow. But if I put that into the rodeo world, when I go for two and a half, three weeks on the road and he, and he's exhausted, tired, he's still trying to outrun the cow where he's just getting at his best. Mm-hmm. Where it can look a little bit rude every now and then, but I've had to really accept horses from both perspectives, if that makes sense. And yeah, for sure. The good part that I think is helping me and what I want to get better as a rider and a roper at is trying to put it all together and to have that turnkey horse where if you want to go to the ranch rodeo in Houston or if you want to go to the biggest rodeo in the world or you want to go to the horse show, you have a horse that's turnkey, that's respectful and disciplined to do all of it, but can run, face, stop. And that's really hard to find all of that. Yeah. But with staying at home, though, now, you have more time, hopefully, to find all that or build that in your horses. It seems like the futurity business was, like, halfway made for guys like you who that's what you're kind of looking forward to now. Yeah, I I like it. I've I've really enjoyed it. You know, I think that... uh, I enjoy the part of the time plays a little bit of a factor, but just the spot of trying to put something into everybody's eye that what you believe in or what you think in a horse and to see that people, okay, we we like what you're doing. We're going to use your horse. I like that. It makes you feel good and you succeeded at something Mm -hmm. and the time doesn't have a factor. I like the fact that, if I'm putting time into a horse that there's people or the judges might say, you know what, I'd like to ride that horse. I'd like to go compete on that horse or that horse looks like something I'd want to buy. And I think where the horse show world is involved into the, I think everything's coming together. And I think all the combinations of everything in the horse world right now, the cut and the cow horse, everything is starting to blend together where it's making the community so much stronger Yeah, that it's just not a reject that's going to the rope and, you know, a cut and reject or a rain. It's a good horse that just had a little something here, or a little something there, but the horse is great because it takes a great horse to be great at anything. And, you know, it's just like people in a way you might not be great at basketball but you're outstanding at football mm-hmm. well you're not going to play basketball you're going to push in football and that's the way horses i think in the cut and cow horse and the rope and all evolves together you just got to find that niche for that great horse and put it in that spot and let him do his deal and just you know i think that like i don't ever try to judge myself or my horses in the practice pen i never try to uh see where I am as far as the bar as long as I can rope and have a good time and them build confidence in the cow and I call it comfort in the corner as far as in the box Mm -hmm. and we can rope and talk and hang out and there's no no nerves or nothing jumping anywhere I think it's successful before you ever go anywhere you know if my daughter can ride them my wife can rope on them 
if Bill Fick can go to a roping on him or my dad. My dad rode that yellow horse last week at my roping. I didn't even get to rope on him. I ran. I stopped by TJ's on the way to the show and ran like five, six steers on him and showed him the next day. That's awesome. I didn't know that. That's super cool. So, and um, I mean, you know, the horse that uh, I, I've hel- I help on, that's my little girl's horse I call Money. Mm-hmm. I, my wife rode that horse. She hasn't roped in a year. She won third in a number eight over there at the Cody Neesmith Memorial Roping, and there was 300-something teams. I saw and that. The that's next, awesome. Yeah, and the next day I ride him in the open. Yeah. And don't score anything. It's just... I think when a horse shows that they enjoy their job and they know that they're not fretting, that they're, they're everything's going to show up wherever they're your horse world or horse show or mm-hmm. rodeo or. Did um you were helping a lot right yesterday too? Yeah, well I've helped I helped Cade Cade Rice and Dakota, and I've helped Clay Logan and Waco and there and. Uh, you know, I'll tell you what, I, looking at it from a different perspective is I'm getting to watch those guys that are great. I think Cade Rice and Dakota and Clay Logan. Clay Logan has told me two or three little things mm-hmm. just from me heading for him to help help me do a better job for him. Mm-hmm. That it's just blown my mind. That it was little things that I haven't thought about. You know, he told me at Waco, I was – we. Clay's roped outstanding for me so far, and and I think that I always tell people when I help them, your healer will tell you if you're doing a good job because if they catch a lot behind you, then you're doing a good job. And, that, you know, sometimes you don't have to ask questions to try to get the answer. And Clay, he was – he's healed every steer, and I would be pulling the cow, and, at the, you know, in the rodeo world, I always wanted to come back a little bit, keep that steer's head, keep that steer open, come back, come back – well, he would set his horse up, and that little Mary's got such a great horse that when he would rope, she stopped. I mean, she does awesome. Well, when I'm coming back, she stops so true and so straight. He's got her so correct that I was when I'd go to face, I'd bring that steer back about maybe two foot, but that two foot would bring that rope into her neck. Uh-huh. And it, instead uh-huh. of being as straight in front of him, I would be a little bit back, so we'd be at an angle. So when I was facing, I was facing and putting his horse in a little bit of a bind where I thought I was helping him. And I, I've never thought about it like that. It, it just blew my mind. I was like, I've never looked down the rope. And I got thinking, well, there's a lot of reasons why we see rodeo horses quarter and stuff. It's not the left hand. I always thought, well, the guy left hand, it's, it's the way the – you know what? We're getting the run finished. If we're coming back up and the horse is sitting there and he gets square and goes to throw, and then you think you've got another stride or two to pull the cow and we dally, we're pulling that steer and that, that rope weight under the feet into that right side of the horse's neck. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. It's just, yeah. you know, and, and you get to watch Cade and Dakota. Cade Rice has excelled and done outstanding at the horse shows. It doesn't matter where you take him. His horses are great. And Dakota the same way. I get to look down the rope. I've got the best seat in the house watching these guys. And I get to see where they are. I get to hear the little things. I'll hear Cade when he'll be a little. I can tell when he's a little out of time. He'll tell his horse. I can barely hear him. He'll say, whoa. And I can see that horse react to him. And it just, the sting that that voice has in that horse. You know, he's done such a good job that that horse bleeds so much emotion to where he just falls out of sight. And I can hear him stopping back there. Hmm. That's little things that, yeah. uh, 
the crowd and the judge just that you don't know that goes behind the scenes that when I help or if I've helped them guys, I, like I, I missed second high call with Cade. And Cade, in my mind, I got a great start. I think he would have won the show. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, that was – I. there's not a worse feeling in the world. Yeah, yeah. But it, it, the helping part of it has been big for me. I wouldn't know what I – I don't get to carry them conversations on. Dakota helped me the other day telling me little things, you know, and – that's just little stuff as far as the learning process is I want to get better. I mean, I want my horses to do good and be able to enjoy it, but I also, I, I'd like to try and win it. I'd like to win at it. And, mm-hmm. uh, them kind of guys, there's a reason that they're doing good at the horse show world or winning at that stuff because they're, they're good at what they do. And not only that, they can rope outstanding. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.